Welcome to episode 128 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I have sat here for far too long trying to figure out how I'm going to start this episode in uh, some sort of a special way. Of course, as you know, by the time you're listening to this, the Overwatch League Grand Finals have concluded, and so has possibly the very last Overwatch League season that we will see. Um... I was, of course, at the Grand Finals in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, That's right, Toronto, because I am not from there. And despite the uh, fantastic time I had there, I've been waiting to record this episode uh, in in part because by the end of the workday and after uh, the excitement that uh, transpired in Toronto... My voice has been failing me, but also in part because I've been trying to figure out how to summarize and really encapsulate my experience in Toronto uh, in, of course, this episode. Now, I think I've figured out what exactly I'd like to do. However, I'm going to keep that for the end of the show because we actually have a jam-packed show to cover here today. Of course, we're going to cover most of the action that happened at the Grand Finals. Of course, I'm not going to give you a uh, game-by-game breakdown. I'm not even, you know, going to go over the scores of all the games because it just seems a little redundant at this point. And also the fact that, you know, we are over a week out from the the playoffs and everything. Uh, but I will go over sort of the, you know, uh, the awards and, of course, the final match uh, just because that's going to be fun. Now, there's a ton to talk about there, and I'm sure I'll think of little anecdotes from the weekend and I'll intersperse them in in the articles that I'm going to read. But, of course, this past week, we also had the unveiling of uh, Season 7, of what we have to look forward to in the next season, as, of course, Season 6 in the Overwatch Battle Pass uh, winds down. Now, in terms of celebrating everything that was my past weekend in Toronto, I have this whole thing written out that uh, I actually emailed in to another reporter who was looking to collect sort of stories about the Overwatch League, Um, and what it meant to people. So I sort of wrote out uh, a couple paragraphs to them. So what I'm actually going to do is at the end of the episode, before we wrap things up, I'm going to read what I wrote out to them because I think uh, in doing that, I did my best to sort of capture uh, the emotion and the feelings that I have felt over this past, uh, past week. So we'll get to that. If you are brand new to this show, first of all, thank you so much for listening. I'm very hopeful that a number of the people that I met at the Grand Finals are listening right now. If you are, thank you so much. I appreciate it a lot. Um, I I really did enjoy meeting all of you, hanging out with all of you, and just making friends with uh, a lot of people that, you know, I, I otherwise would have never met. So anyways, we'll kind of, we'll get to that at the end of the show. If you don't want to hear this whole episode if you start getting bored or anything like that please just jump to the end of the show so you can hear what i have to say at the very end um i I promise you if i met you this weekend in any way shape or form if we shook hands if we hugged if we high-fived if we fist fist sorry about that fist bumped um just jump to the end of the show and you can uh, you can catch my message to you because uh, my message goes out to each and every one of the new my newfound friends that uh, I made this past week. So 
We'll get there. But for now, if you are here for the whole ride, well, buckle up. Let's get back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on socials. I'd love to bring questions, comments, concerns, topics to the show that you may have as they relate to Overwatch, the Overwatch League, Blizzard games, or just video games in general. Of course, I love to talk about video games, as many of you may have learned this past weekend. Uh, and that does go beyond just Overwatch. I, I play a lot of video games and I like them a lot. So send me things over, especially on uh, Twitter or X, if you will. Uh, DM me or whatever, shoot me a message on Discord, whatever you want to do, I will bring your topics, questions, comments, concerns to the show. But enough with all that, of course, we have a big show to cover. So let's jump back in there. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc, etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, I also encourage you, if you enjoy what you hear today, or if you're curious about how I got a media badge to go to the Grand Finals, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. That's Ready, Set, P-W-N. Available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans, Toronto Defiant, and Canadian Overwatch League action. Of course, over on Ready, Set, Pwn, I join my co-hosts Alex and Chris each and every week to talk everything Canadian Overwatch. We also touch on much of the Overwatch League action that happens. And, of course, that is also the show where Chris has connected us with the likes of Baroy, the GM for the Vancouver Titans, Kasoras, the head coach for the Toronto Defiant, Adam Adamu, the CEO of Overactive Media, of course, the company that owns the Toronto Defiant and the Toronto Ultra on the Call of Duty League side. We've also spoke to Papa Punk, that is uh, Punk's dad, Punk being the tank for the Vancouver Titans, and Sean Miller president of the Overwatch League. So if you're interested in that, go check out Ready, Set, Pwn. And if you enjoy what you hear today on One Man Watchpoint, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast as well. Of course, we already have our grand finals episode of Ready, Set, Pwn up because naturally when we record that, I don't have to do nearly as much talking because there is three of us on the show. Today's show though, it's just me. We're in for a ride. I got a lot of stories to cover, and I won't be too surprised if my voice starts giving out by the end. So just bear with me. I'm doing my best here. I think I'm recovered from Grand Finals, but by the end of the day, my voice is tired and you can hear it. You can probably hear it right now. So anyways, without further ado, let's dive on in. I'll do this alone if I have to. All right, we're going to kick things off by heading over to esports.gg with an article titled... This is going to spoil the entire article, but it's titled Overwatch League 2023 Florida Mayhem's Gunba Becomes Coach of the Year. Overwatch League 2023's Coach of the Year is Jordan Gunba Graham. During the live event at Toronto's Madame Athletic Center, he shared the strategy behind Florida Mayhem's success. When asked about his approach to coaching Florida Mayhem, Gunba emphasized the importance of tough love and never settling for mediocrity. Being realistic about each player's strengths and weaknesses is crucial as well. Quote, First of all, tough love. I think if we lose, that's not acceptable. If we fail in scrims, that's not acceptable, right? We don't take losing in any circumstance as an acceptable outcome, Gunba said. He added that the players deserve all the credit for dealing with his coaching style. Quote, I think the second thing that you'll see in our team's style that is a result of our coaching is that we're very pragmatic, Gunba continued. I think a lot of teams this year saw that Sombra Tracer was such a good composition, that so many teams were playing, and they played that composition knowing they could never win that they could never be the best team. And so we make every decision with victory in mind, knowing that we have to win the league. And every composition we play, we have to be able to be the best at that composition, end quote. Gunba 
also acknowledged the coaching staff's expertise and how a bit of luck helped with Florida Mayhem's success. He then praised the team's ability to learn different compositions because of frequent patches and opponent changes. Quote, I've been coaching for the entire duration of the league. I've been here since day one, Gunbo said. I coached the first Overwatch League match ever. So our coaching staff, including McGravy, who's a huge part of how we win so many games, they have a lot of experience. And so I had to teach them, and you have these compositions, right? And secondly, it's a bit of luck, right? If we can play Sombra Tracer and win every match, we would do that too. And as a result of the fact that we've been forced to adapt so many times, we've been forced to learn so many different compositions. Every patch, every match, every opponent has all paid off until this point, because now we can suddenly pull out all these different compositions and play them with the exact same roster. We didn't do any subs for the most for most of the matches. So it's a bit of luck, a bit of experience, I think. Oh, now I've got a pop-up on the screen. There we go. During the interview, Gunba highlighted Merritt as an incredible hitscan player. His abilities give Florida Mayhem confidence going into every match. Merritt's own versatility in playing other heroes have also contributed to victories. Quote, I think going into every match knowing that we have to play hitscan role and we're going to have a better player is such a load off our minds, Gunba said. Overwatch League 2023's eSports Coach of the Year then praised Caleb McGravy McGarvey again for what he does as an assistant coach. Meanwhile, General Manager Albert Yeh does what it takes to achieve victory, is great with the budget, and makes sure that everything is always on time. That's all for now. Stick around on eSports.gg for more Overwatch 2 news and updates. So of course, I uh, wanted to bring this one up because, as we all know by now, the Florida Mayhem do end up winning the Overwatch League Grand Finals 2023. And, of course, they just had a stellar cast there in general. Um, from Gunba winning Coach of the Year to our next story. Uh, oh, actually, not our next story. Our second to next story. Uh, Florida was cleaning up the awards. There were, however... Uh, handful one or two awards that they did not win and that takes us to our next story over on thegamehouse.com written by my new friend daybuck owl dong hack season six alarm rookie of the year to make an impact so great as a rookie in the overwatch league is a huge feat with such talent that is in the league the atlanta reigns dong hack is joining the ranks of impressive players such as hacksaw alarm pelican i've got another pop-up man these sites are bad for 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 the ads we're going to full screen this guy. There we go. Pelican and proper. There has only ever been a Korean rookie to take home the title of Alarm Rookie of the Year. Donghak winning the Season 6 Alarm Rookie of the Year is continuing that tradition. Donghak was the Atlanta Reign's lone rookie on the team. He was side-by-side -side with role stars and players who had won many awards. As a young main tank, he was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the likes of Fearless and Smurf, who had both won a grand final. Less than a year ago, he was on Team 815, a Korean contenders team, who went 0-7. He has shown massive growth in the league. He was supporting the whole team with the defense that is needed by en but enabling the offense to pop off. When receiving the award, Donghak multiple times voices his regret. He didn't feel deserving of this award. He wanted to bring a good performance and felt like he hadn't in these playoffs. He mentioned that this should be a happy moment, but he could only feel bad for not performing to the level he wanted for the fans. This was personally meaningful for him, as this award was given to him by the fans. The whole award ceremony was more quiet than in the past, but the fans made sure to show Donghak love by cheering extra loud, as well as reassuring him that he did in fact deserve the Alarm Rookie of the Year award. Donghak was the rookie alongside Star. Although he felt undeserving of this award, he has proven that he is also a rising star of this league. Hopefully he can continue his journey in the Overwatch League, so the next award he may receive, he can truly feel deserving of it. 
Once again, shout out to uh, Daybok Owl for writing that article. Of course, I met Daybok this weekend, and she was great. I had a lot of fun with her on uh, the grand finals day, getting our seats and everything. I was actually sitting just two seats away from her. So anyways, shout out to Daybok Owl. Um, so Alarm winning the... Uh, sorry, not Alarm. Donghak winning the Alarm Rookie of the Year Award. Obviously, uh, I don't think this was a huge surprise to anyone because, of course, the, the rookies this season weren't necessarily outstanding or at least in seasons didn't compare to seasons past of course last year having proper who won rookie of the year and mvp of of the year um you know proper was just an incredible force to be reckoned with and then looking at some of the other rookies um you know there's been some stiff competition in the past but ultimately he was on an all-star roster and because of that uh, the team was able to do great things with him, and the fact is they don't necessarily get as far as they did without him being able to do what he did. There is an argument to, me ma- to be made, of course, that you know you sub someone else into his role, a, a different uh, tank that has a little more experience, and maybe the Atlanta Reign do get just as far as they did, or maybe they even perform uh, differently in the grand finals. But by no means do I think that Donghak is not deserving of this award. Um, I think there are some other interesting candidates that didn't necessarily, um, you know, get as much buzz around them because, of course, the team that they were on didn't perform nearly as well as uh, the Atlanta Reign. Um, you know, one that sticks out in particular is, of course, uh, Lenny or Sugar Free on the Vancouver Titans. Um, and, of course, there are many others. But regardless, um, I do think Dong Hack deserved to win this. Um, and And it was... It was very unfortunate to see how disappointed he was when receiving the award because, of course, it's an award and it's it's a coveted award, right? He, sh- he should be excited and he should be proud and he has every right to be. But unfortunately, with Atlanta Reign uh, having just been eliminated before, shortly before this tournament or this uh, award was handed out, um, he obviously, you know, felt bad for that. So I do hope that uh, he felt the love from the audience. Uh, you know, the cheers were loud anytime basically anyone won anything uh, the the audience was sure to let them know that they supported them so i hope he i hope he felt uh, some something special when when the crowd cheered moving on from there we have more awards to give out and of course we're back to the florida mayhem so let's head on head on over to dottiesports.com with an article written by someone that i'm proud to now call my friend michael Saar. this article was posted on october 1st at DottieSports.com and reads, Someone Wins Overwatch League 2023 MVP and Dennis Huelka Award. On the final day of the Overwatch League's 2023 season, two awards were given out for two different kinds of leaders in the game. One was for the best player across the season and the other was for the player who brought the most positivity into the community. For the first time ever, someone won both in the same season. Not just any someone, the actual someone. Florida Mayhem tank player Someone is the Overwatch League 2023 Most Valuable Player as well as the Overwatch League 2023 Dennis Havelka Award winner. This marks the first time that a player has won both those awards, and it's hard to argue with the energetic and entertaining player that Someone embodies. Much like other esports and traditional sports, the MVP goes to the player who mattered most to the team's success in the regular season. From helping his team win the Pro-Am to being crucial to all the team composition adaptations that led them to consistent success all season long, someone was the best example of a tank who could play it all. He was an amazing Junker Queen, Reinhardt, Winston, and even Sigma, as we saw early on in the 2023 playoffs. 
The term hyperflex is a very is very high praise, with one of the other best examples being a former season MVP leave. However, with how crucial the tank role is in the 5v5 version of Overwatch, a true hyperflex can be the crux of a team's strong performance, and someone is such a player. As for the Dennis Havelka Award, someone was immediately recognized for his comedic bent when he joined the Mayhem. His dances and energy after his team won were easily spotted on the cameras, with a tendency for happy outbursts and jokes in post-match interviews. Much like some of the previous Dennis Havelka Award winners, Sparkle being a key example, their happiness radiates to their team, making them a fan favorite for years to come. Now all that's left for someone is to try and get two more trophies on his shelf. The Florida Mayhem are in the top four of the Overwatch League playoffs, set to face the Boston Uprising in the semifinals on October 1st. Someone's odd someone's odds of picking up the league title and grand finals MVP are much higher than fans probably expected heading into the 2023 season. So, of course, as you know by now, someone won uh, both the MVP and Dennis Havelko Award, and certainly everything Michael Saar said there in the article uh, rings true. He was a presence to be around. He was always excited. He was always happy to be there. Um, and, of course, on top of all that, he was performing at an absolute stellar level. Um, the guy was just tearing it up. Uh, he could essentially do no wrong backed by a team that seemed like they could do no wrong as well. Uh, so by all accounts, uh, someone deserved this award and, and did a great job uh, in every performance uh, throughout the season, but also at the grand finals. Now let's stick with .esports.com. We're also going to stick with Michael Saar, uh, this time with an article posted on October 2nd, of course, and this is our Grand Finals recap. This article is titled, Florida Mayhem Easily Win Their First Owl Title at the 2023 Grand Finals. Now, of course, uh, this article is basically a summary of uh, the Grand Finals match. Uh, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you already know that Florida won, because if you didn't, then I've spoiled it about 40 times over already. Um, and you know what? I'm actually, I'm, I'm not going to read this article. Uh, definitely go check it out, but... By all means, um, I would just encourage you to watch the match. If you don't have the time to watch the match, you do want to check out the article. Uh, I'll link to it in the description here. But ultimately, Florida wins, and Florida wins in dominant fashion. Um, for me personally, being in the audience, uh, I was second row right near the middle um, during this match. And I definitely felt like things started off ever so slightly shaky. Um, control in the beginning was definitely... Florida's worst map, I would say. Um, and watching it in the audience and cheering for Florida, this is the first time I've ever been cheering for a team that has been in the grand finals, with the exception of the very first season I started following the Overwatch League when I was cheering for Vancouver against the Shock, of course. And it truly felt like Florida had something special, but it also felt like their best opponent was going to be the Houston Outlaws. Um, although I think there was an argument to be made about the Boston Uprising, I personally felt like uh, Houston quickly showed up with the same comp and a lot of the same strategies that Florida had used against them um, in subsequent matches. So I was worried that Houston would, would really be a tough opponent. And when they came out at the start of the match, it seemed like that was true. Uh, it definitely seemed like Houston was was ready to go and was going to put up a good fight. Now, obviously, as things progressed, it did kind of get more and more Florida, although I do think you saw sort of flashes of brilliance from the Houston Outlaws. Um, 
it really felt like Houston would kick it into gear, but Florida always had another gear to go into. Um, Florida was always able to one-up Houston from when they were performing their best. And it kind of felt like each round Florida needed maybe a second to warm up, and then they knew the read and they were good to go. And I mean, by all means, all credit to Florida in that sense. Uh, you know, perhaps it's as simple as they were, uh, you know, taking their time to analyze how the the opponent was playing that particular match. But by all means, um, Florida was dominant. And that's that's really the takeaway. Like I say, if you haven't watched this match, go back and watch it. And watch for me. Watch for me in the second row there. You will see me. I did actually, after I got home uh, from the trip, I did actually pop the match on uh, the next day at work and kind of had it on the background and, and gave it a good good second once over. Of course, it's easy to get caught up in things when you're in the crowd, when you're in the thick of it. Um, so I really wanted to see uh, sort of the experience that the viewers got at home because Obviously, in every other season, I have been one of those viewers. I have been at home watching these matches. And although I certainly get into them and I really enjoy it, um, it's a whole other experience being being there in person. So anyways, go give Michael Saar the click on DottieSports.com. This article was posted on October 2nd. Florida Mayhem easily win their first OWL title at the 2023 Grand Finals. Like I say, I'll link to it in the description um, and you can get to it there. But uh, Florida Mayhem. They were a force to be reckoned with. Now, moving on from there, uh, we do have a little bit more action that was debuted or shown off at uh, the Overwatch League Grand Finals, uh, specifically on Grand Finals Day. Um, so we're going to head over to Dexerto.com this time with an article by Carver Fisher posted on October 1st, which reads, Overwatch 2's new control map Samoa fully revealed at OWL Finals. Overwatch 2's new push and flashpoint modes have certainly mi had mixed reception, with many preferring the classic modes that carried over the from the first game. Fortunately, Control is getting some love with the new map. Samoa boasts three very diverse maps with a tropical backdrop, bringing Overwatch to a location that stands out from the game's other locations and brings a brilliant splash of color to the game. Here's what we know so far about Samoa, Overwatch 2's next map. A focus on new multiplayer maps and consistent balance updates was a big part of the reasoning behind Overwatch 2's developers shifting their resources away from full PvE campaign. A good amount of multiplayer content has come out since then, along with a set of PvE missions and Flashpoint, an all-new mode. Now that the dust has settled around Flashpoint, the team is revisiting an older mode to add a new control map, Samoa. The first point is Beach, an oceanside map filled with small villas and huts to create cover for players. The control point itself is sunken into the map, giving attackers options to get at the people defending the point and disincentivizing players from just sitting on the point. Downtown is the second point, and it provides a much less open map that funnels players through streets packed through packed streets into a large, wide-open point with a large tower in the middle. Its structure was inspired a bit by Numbani, according to the devs, shown by the two maps having a similar approach to verticality and narrow passageways. Volcano is the final point, and a map that has Lucio players excited to push their enemies right into the fiery depths of the lava pit lining the control point. It's certainly the most open of the three maps, giving players more options to fight each other at range. All three maps have very different playstyles, requiring players to switch things up between rounds. Additionally, speculation has run wild that this map is a precursor to Mauga, the hero many are speculating will be added in Season 8. Samoa, meanwhile, will be arriving on October 10th, when Season 7 kicks off. 
So we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the things I mentioned there in the article. But yeah, this map was debuted uh, in the show match during the grand finals day there. Of course, they had a number of uh, content creators, a number of the cast uh, from the Overwatch League um, and streamers and uh, players or former uh, pro players and things like that. Uh, put together to do a show match where they basically played against each other on the Samoa map. Um, it was interesting uh, because obviously you got a lot of personalities here um, and they really did a good job, I think, to balance things out and really, I don't know if it was intentional, but stretch the map out. Um, you know, it definitely was back and forth. It wasn't like someone just rolled the other team uh, 2-0 or anything like that. Um, it definitely was back and forth and back and forth so they could show off each individual area of the map. Um, it's a pretty map, that's for sure. Uh, we got lots of blue-green water there. We got lots of blue skies. And then, of course, we do eventually come into the lava pit there, which is uh, nice and fiery and, and looking good. So I'm excited to get hands-on with this map, uh, as I think most people will be. Um, I always love when they do these kind of things, and especially love when they do the kind of behind-the-scenes thing. So, you know, before the show match, of course, uh, Aaron Keller and Jared Noose did a little bit of a preview where they just talked about some of the design philosophy behind the map and and how it was built and everything like that. And I always dig that kind of thing, so uh, I had a lot of fun seeing this map in action. Moving on from there, of course, that basically covers Grand Finals Day, right? We heard about the show match, we heard about the awards given out, and of course, uh, we covered the final match there and the Florida Mayhem winning it all. But there was one other thing that dropped seemingly i'm not actually even too sure how quickly after grand finals were done i want to say it was the next maybe the next day that they dropped this uh maybe the day after that but we're gonna head on over to gamesradar.com with an article by dustin bailey published uh looking at the article now it says three days ago so i can only assume that would have been uh tuesday the third this article reads, Blizzard commits to, quote, revitalized esports program, end quote, as players wave owl goodbye. After a tearful goodbye on stage during the 2023 Grand Finals, it appears Overwatch League is indeed dead. But Blizzard says a, quote, revitalized esports program is in the works. Quote, with the completion of the 2023 Overwatch League season, we will be focusing on building our vision of a revitalized esports program, end quote. A message from the official Overwatch League account says on Twitter, quote, we're eager to share more with you as details are finalized, end quote. As that message suggests, there really aren't any clear indicators of what comes next for officially sanctioned Overwatch esports. Overwatch League itself is not officially dead, at least not according to any Blizzard announcement, but earlier this year an investor report revealed that OWL teams would soon vote on updated terms with Blizzard. If the teams did not agree, they would each receive a $6 million termination fee. But even without a final word on whether the teams are taking the money and leaving, for most observers, the writing for Overwatch League's end seems to be on the wall. If there was any room left to speculate that the league might live, it ended over the weekend when Overwatch League presenters took to the stage and shared an emotional message after what might have been the competition's final games. Overwatch League was always an odd duck, issuing esports standards for a format more similar to traditional North American sports leagues, where franchise teams compete over the course of a season for position in an annual playoff series. Activision Blizzard revisited the same format for the Call of Duty League. That's the end of the article. It, it kind of just ends there. <laughs> um, in any case, 
obviously this was this was a bit of a shocking thing to see um so if you do uh jump over to the overwatch league twitter account of course they posted the classic you know background of the overwatch league uh we're making a statement kind of image there and they had that message. I'm going to read it again here. With the completion of the 2023 Overwatch League season, we will be focusing on building our vision of a revitalized esports program. We're eager to share more with you as details are finalized. And that's it. That's all we get. That's just, it just ends there. So one of the things that's really interesting about this is the fact that they put out this statement at all. Of course, as we know, they didn't necessarily have to say anything. Um, I'm actually not even sure that the, uh, the, the, what do you call it, the vote that was sort of leaked, I don't even know if the league talked about that in any official capacity. I think it was just leaked kind of thing. Um, but of course, you know, the league's not going to comment on something like that if that were the case. If it were up to them, they would have preferred to control the messaging around that. And they probably would have surprised us almost completely out of the blue. But of course, it came out, it is a fact, you know, it's it's all but known at this point that that's what's going to take place. I think even some, uh, some GMs and things like that have uh, spoken on this topic, uh, you know, outside of an official capacity. One that comes to mind, of course, is Albert Yeh, GM of the uh, Florida Mayhem. Uh, he recently did a stream where he basically traded... Uh, subs for information or for leaks so he just you know you subbed and you got to sort of ask a question and and he uh put out a lot of information about the overwatch league that wasn't something that was known or was out there um and one of the things he did touch on was of course the end of the league and basically he he didn't share any information that sort of we didn't already know or that was highly confidential seemingly um, he kind of knew where to draw the line and where to stop, but he did touch on this and he basically did say, yeah, we, we know there's going to be a vote, um, but he did not say anything as to when. I believe he said they don't even know when it's going to take place other than it's going to take place in the next few months. Um, so nothing too surprising there. Now, if you listen to the Tactical Crouch podcast, of course, they talked about this as well. Um, and I believe uh, Yiska kind of echoed the same sentiment. Um, however, there are a few sort of caveats to all of that, um, one of which being the end date of player contracts. Of course, naturally, at the end of the Overwatch League season, we usually see some teams announcing, hey, uh, I mean, in classic Toronto Defiant fashion, we're blowing up our roster, uh, we are not retaining anyone, and we will be building anew. Obviously, I don't think we're going to see any of that right away. The flip side of that is we see players tweeting out the classic LFT with their Discord contact info so that uh, it is known they are looking for a team. Um, I don't think we're going to see any of that either outside of, you know, the debate that some players may or may not have already posted on Twitter. Um, so that all kind of begs the question, when do these contracts with these teams actually end? And what is next for the players? In theory, I mean, for a lot of these players, if if esports is their life, if they are still able to be competitive, they will either want to continue their career in Overwatch or potentially, as many probably will, move on to another uh, sport, another esport. Uh, many, I'm sure, will be moving to Valorant um, and things like that because it's a natural jump that we've in fact seen a handful of players make before. Now... 
this is all very much very ambiguous, right? We don't have any of these answers. We don't know if we will. It could very well be tomorrow that we suddenly see a team drop their entire roster, um, or we suddenly see a uh, player uh, tweet out the LFT. We really just don't know at this point, and I suspect uh, we're probably not really going to get an answer to this. My guess would be that we're going to see a slow trickle of players uh, either posting the LFT or simply announcing that they're joining another esport because I truly don't think we'll see anyone um, sort of sticking around with Overwatch because right now we just don't know what the case is going to be. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, that's obviously very sad to see a lot of players that we know and love uh, will probably just, in a, it sounds harsh, but fade into obscurity. Um, I'm sure others will, you know, take up streaming and and sort of build a career off that which hey that can be far more lucrative than something like the overwatch league or esports in general um if you look at some some stars like super of course he's killing it on the streaming side of things um but what i suspect we will see is just basically a slow trickle of of players announcing that they're moving to valorant or they're uh going back to school in some way or they will just fade away um and it is very sad as i mentioned but the flip side of that is let's say in three months the team vote or whatever the restructuring of the league has happened and you know we will i'm sure get a large announcement there will obviously be a ton of excitement around that so looking at the positive side of things that's the flip side is whatever comes from this Overwatch esports is not dead. I'm I'm willing to say that much. I'm willing to go out on a limb and say, I mean, everything Sean Miller has said about the league um, and everything a handful of other important people that I've spoken to have indicated is that Overwatch esports will continue to exist in some form. Yes, it will not be necessarily the exact same thing we know right now. And that's exciting because we will get this unveiling, right? We will get this big pop of here's the new thing, here's what it's going to look like, here's how it's going to work, and of course, here's the franchises, or, or you know, it won't necessarily be franchises, but here's the teams, here's the organizations that will be working with us, will be supporting us, and with that will come, here are the players. The other side of that that's also exciting is in saying goodbye to, like I say, all these players and staff and people that we know, people that we've come to love, is of course we're going to see a deluge of new talent come in. Um, and I don't just mean that, you know, on the player side, right? We're going to see new coaches or younger coaches that maybe have had experience in collegiate or contenders. We're going to see them getting their chance to uh, support uh, themselves at the highest level of Overwatch. Um, and on top of that, it's also casters. Um, obviously, there's a whole host of casters that, uh, you know, never did get a chance to cast with the Overwatch League, or maybe they did, uh, you know, get to cast a game here and there kind of thing, but they never got the opportunity to really make that jump and be sort of one of the regulars. Um, and we will see a whole host of, of new people come into those roles. So again, I'm looking at the positive here. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen right now, which in some ways... Uh, feels weird, uh, you know, we've, we've at the very least always known, hey, Overwatch League is going away, we don't know when it will be back, but we've also, we've always known that it will be back, and this is sort of the first time in, you know, six years or whatever, that uh, we don't know, 
and it it's a strange feeling um and i think that's why obviously we we saw so many goodbyes happen um in in the grand finals uh and everything like that and in fact speaking of that let's head uh, we're actually going to stick with games radar here but this time we're going to read an article by Anne marie ostler i don't think i've ever read an article by her so hello Anne marie uh, published four days ago, four days ago would have been Monday the 2nd, so we're going back in time here a little bit. Obviously, that message that I just spoke about from the Overwatch League did come out before this happened, but I do want to shout this out because uh, this was important. Um, so this article reads, Thanks for the memories. Overwatch League staff share emotional message after what might be the competition's final games. Overwatch League host Zoe Gushwind ended coverage of the 2023 season with an emotional message as the future of the competition remains unclear. Quote, and just like that, the 2023 season is coming to an end, and we get to look back at six incredible, unforgettable years, the esports veteran said in a message at the conclusion of the league year. Quote, This was not just a show. This was a shared dream that was uniting us across borders, languages, and differences. It was the hard work and the commitment of everyone, which was bringing the team and the fans alike the best possible experience each and every show, and all of that has been nothing short of remarkable. As Gushwin continued to speak, both she and the whole team looked visibly emotional at the prospect of it all being over for good. She wrapped things up with a heartfelt thanks to fans for their staunch support of the Overwatch League. Quote, You out there, the fans, your cheers, your tears, the unwavering support, you are the lifeblood of this league. You made this so much more than just a gaming community. This was a family. You are incredible and we want to thank you for so much. We want to thank you so much for every single moment you shared with us. So from all of us, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being a part of this incredible journey. It's been an honor, a privilege, and a joy to share this experience with all of you. The fate of the Overwatch League is currently in the hands of team owners who are set to vote on whether or not to accept an, outdated, an updated operating agreement. If they vote not to continue under the new agreement, it could mean the end of the league, leaving Activision Blizzard with a $114 million bill for termination fees. So... Obviously, uh, as I mentioned, that happened shortly after Grand Finals uh, were, were won by Florida and everything before the statement was made by the league that I just talked about. Um, but I wanted to kind of end cap uh, the Overwatch League part of this show uh, with that message simply because it was so touching. Um, that, was, that was one of the things that I think made uh, this Grand Finals so special was the fact that it feels like the end, you know, it feels like we have closed the book on this thing that we all grew to know and love. Um, I'll talk more about that at the end of the show, but uh, it really was a nice send off. And by all means, being on the floor in that stadium, uh, watching the, the um, I don't know what to call it, recap of the entire league's history, um, that, that video that was played, um, and then also piling on top of that Zoe's goodbye message uh there was not a dry eye in the place um it it really hit uh and it yeah it was just an, a class act and I think it really did a great job to sort of like I say send us off into whatever the future holds close the book um and call it a day really now one thing I do want to talk about here is of course what happens next so, as I mentioned previously, we don't know. So let's talk about what I think. 
What's my opinion? Here's my harebrained idea. Here's what I think happens. And I've talked about this on previous episodes, but again, I'm hoping that we probably have a couple more people listening to this that haven't listened in the past. So let me share with you what I suspect is going to happen with the Overwatch League. Of course, what do we know? We know that the Overwatch League, uh, or at least the people behind it, do not plan for Overwatch in a professional competitive fashion to be gone completely. We also know that there have been learnings had from the history of the league we know a little bit better what works and what doesn't work i think most people suspect that there will be overwatch at a professional level in some fashion and so to me what would make sense is to get rid of the official overwatch league branding or have it take sort of a uh, a backstage approach to things. So, of course, the one thing that's been talked about by many people is probably going to a smaller, more, more uh, region-based model where you have a North American Overwatch League, you have a Korean Overwatch League, you have a uh, European Overwatch League, what have you. Um, and all of these are kind of their own self-contained leagues. Obviously, their budgets and things like that for the teams and players would be significantly less. There would also probably not be um, as significant a buy-in into this, or if any. Um, I don't too much know that side of things. But anyways, I think that's kind of generally agreed on as that's probably what's going to happen. To me, what I, I think about it from more of a standpoint of the marketing and the brand what I could see happening is we, I don't want to say get rid of the Overwatch League as a brand. We probably have Overwatch League sort of as an umbrella that encompasses all these things. But then what probably happens is we get something like Overwatch Esports. So think about it this way. You have Overwatch League, and it is sort of the governing body of all these different regional professional Overwatch uh organizations or groups so then you would have let's say overwatch esports north america overwatch esports south america overwatch esports europe middle east if you want to do it that way overwatch esports china overwatch esports uh korea etc etc so you keep the overwatch league as a as an entity as a brand as a logo really but then you alter it slightly to have overwatch esports popping up in all these different regions you allow those groups to basically run their own almost mini leagues um and of course maybe once a year or something like that you do a larger tournament where overwatch league does a little bit more of the coordination a little bit more of the heavy lifting and brings the best from these different regions together to really uh square off and see see how they fare against each other that's just kind of my harebrained idea of what things look like. Um, originally, when I first kind of was theorizing about this, I had said that you get rid of the Overwatch League branding altogether. I don't think they would do that because I think, um, you know, regardless of whatever reputation the Overwatch League has, it is a recognizable brand at this point. It's been around for long enough that people know the logo when they see it, when they see that tracer silhouette with the orange and the black and the white. Um, they obviously have it on shirts and clothing and hat and things like that. They have it on the internet, right? They, they own that. And I can't see them getting rid of all that brand recognition that they've built over the years, um, even if they're simply altering it slightly. So what I suspect 
would happen is they keep that in some way. And maybe it's as simple as rather than saying Overwatch League operates everything and then Overwatch Esports is sort of these mini regions, maybe they just call it regionalized Overwatch League and it is, you know, quite simply, you have a North American Overwatch League, you have a Korean Overwatch League, you have a um, whatever, uh, Chinese Overwatch League, these, these kind of things. Maybe they just completely keep it all together. I would prefer to see it change a little bit more than that. I would prefer to see it the way I described previously um, because I think that does enough or does a better job of distinguishing the old from the new. If it just comes back and they say, Overwatch League is back, but now it's Overwatch North America, now it's Overwatch, or sorry, Overwatch League North America, Overwatch League Korea, Overwatch League China. I think that has potential to cause a little bit of confusion. Um, maybe my idea is, you know, just as confusing, but I digress. That's, that's, that's just what I'm thinking. So anyways, we're going to put a pin in all that Overwatch League talk and uh, we're going to jump over to some other fun stuff. Of course, as we know, we learned a lot about season seven in the past few days so i'm heading over to polygon.com with an article by michael mcwerder which reads oh it was posted on october 4th and reads what's new in overwatch 2 season 7 overwatch 2's seventh season will be a big one despite not featuring a new hero season 7 or rise of darkness as blizzard is calling the new season of content will add a new control map a big diablo themed crossover and a new mythic skin for hanzo completing the shimada clan mythic skin trifecta there's a big emphasis on ghosts, demons, and otherwise spooky skins as the annual Halloween Terror event coincides with Season 7 of Overwatch 2. Junkenstein's Revenge and Wrath of the Bride will return, and there's a new competitive game mode coming called Trials of Sanctuary as part of the Halloween Terror 2023. The Diablo-themed crossover event is a co-op survival brawl in which players take on the role of Demon Hunter Sombra, Barbarian Zarya, Night Raven Ilari, Cleric Lifeweaver, Imperius Reinhardt, and... Inarius Farah while battling as Asmodan Wrecking Ball, Butcher Roadhog, and ultimately Lilith Moira. Here's what else is new in Overwatch 2 Season 7. So of course the first thing they cover in this article is Samoa. I'm going to jump right past that part because we obviously talked about that already. And we're going to go into Season 7 Battle Pass. The Season 7 Battle Pass is headlined by the mythic on Onryo? Hanzo skin. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't really know. I haven't seen it pronounced. But you can expect similarly spooky skins for Lucio, brackets Victorian Ghost, Soldier 76, brackets Crimson Clown, Widowmaker, brackets Ghost Bride, Echo, brackets Victorian Doll, and Wrecking Ball, brackets Asmodan, as part of the premium tier battle pass. Blizzard lists a few skins as part of a separate purchase, the Ultimate Battle Pass Bundle, which includes Lilith, Moira, Inarius, Farah skin, and a Pumpkin Spice Bastion skin. You can see some of the skins in the Season 7 roadmap below. So I'll jump back to the roadmap uh, image here and talk about that in a second. Hero reworks and balance changes. Blizzard will roll out big changes to Sombra in Season 7, changing how her stealth ability works, it's now a passive, and giving her a new ability, a damage over time attack called Virus. Roadhog is also getting a rework, though Blizzard hasn't said how the much maligned tank hero will be changing yet. Season 7 will also see some changes to May, reverting the hero to her pre-Season 5 state, and Zarya, whose recently buffed projectile barrier is getting debuffed. Further tuning for Orisa, Ramatra, Wrecking Ball, Cassidy, Torbjorn, Brigitta, and Alari is also in the cards for Season 7. Route 66 map update. 
one of Overwatch's original escort maps is getting a few changes in Season 7. Route 66 Panorama Diner has a new sign that doubles as protection for the attacking team at spawn. The map's first checkpoint, you know, the spot just past Big Earl's service station, will be changed so that the metal doors there don't fully close, giving the attacking team another choke point option. Additionally, the defending will have more options to stop attacking team from capping the final checkpoint as some of the cargo is being removed from at the deadlock gang's lair. When does Overwatch 2 Season 7 start? Overwatch 2's new season will launch on Tuesday, October 10th, likely around 2pm EDT slash 11am PDT. Season 7 will run through mid-December, just in time for holiday-themed events. Uh, now let's just quickly jump back to the uh, roadmap image that Blizzard dropped, of course. Uh, they, they love doing this fancy little graphic where they show off everything that's coming uh, in a concise little image. So here, let's read through that. Of course, we've got Rise of Darkness Season 7 begins October 10th. We've got Sombra Reloaded with brand new damage over time ability and active playstyle. And then in that same sort of uh, character graphic, they've got Roadhog Rework coming mid-season. They've got the new control map Samoa, Take the Battle to a Tropical Paradise listed there. They've got new mythic Onryo Hanzo featuring skin-specific Dragon Strike Ultimate. Sorry, I stuttered reading that there. New Battle Pass featuring Mythic Onryo Hanzo, new Halloween skins, and more. They've got the return of Halloween Terror 2023. And, of course, they've got the new co-op game mode, Trials of Sanctuary. Power up your abilities and defeat hellish bosses. So, uh, obviously, quite a stacked Battle Pass. Um, I've spoken about this before. Uh, I think they Blizzard really started to show off what they wanted Overwatch 2, uh, at least on the PvP side, um, to look like around Season 4, right? Season 4 was uh, Starwatch. And of course, now that we've seen subsequent seasons... Um, or sorry, am I thinking Season 5? No, I'm thinking Season 4. I'm correct. Um, of course, we saw that kind of uh, act as a bit of a shift, right? I think for me personally, obviously season one had a lot of hype around it because it was the first season, but I really felt like season two and three uh, were in a lot of ways more of the same. Uh, we weren't really getting any anything exciting, right? We got some skins, we maybe got a new map, we maybe got a new hero, but we weren't really seeing any meaningful change to the game. Um, it didn't feel like a special event that a new Battle Pass season was starting. But with Season 4, of course, we got limited time uh, modes built specifically around that theme. Now, yes, I, I understand that the Star Watch event was not the most exciting event, uh, but I think that was kind of the first peek at what the team really wanted to accomplish with these changing seasons. Um, after that, of course, we got the quest watch, uh, season in season five, and that's when we really kind of started to see, okay, now they're giving us more content in this season than I think we've ever gotten in the past. Um, and I also, you know, really enjoyed the, the quest watch season. And then following that, of course, we got the invasion event where we saw finally some PVP missions, uh, sorry, PVE missions. Um, yes, I know, obviously it's not the PVE that was promised, but we saw, or got to experience some some new play styles, new ways to play the game in that. And then, of course, we even got the Hero Mastery coming. Now, moving into Season 7, of course, um, we're getting a new map in, in this season. Um, we're getting a new game mode. We're getting, obviously, Battle Pass and skins and everything like that. And we're also seeing some of the heroes tweaked. So, does this season necessarily have as much as Season 6? Um, I don't really think so. They have talked about the fact that the Roadhog rework 
is planned for the mid-season patch uh, in Season 7. So we are getting two characters uh, pretty significantly changed, it seems like, or it feels like. I mean, Roadhog, we've yet to see what those changes will look like, um, but by all means, um, looking at how they're changing Sombra, I think it could be pretty significant. Um, so... In any case, I think Season 7 looks pretty exciting. Uh, obviously, everyone's usually a big fan of the Halloween event and the Halloween skins and everything like that. I personally am not a spooky season guy. Um, so although, you know, I think some of these skins look cool and I think the new mythic for Hanzo looks very cool, um, the thing I'm most excited about is Blizzard taking advantage of their own IPs. Um, this is a crossover that actually I had suggested, uh, maybe not specifically Diablo, but a crossover that I had suggested in the past is... I think some of the best skins in the game are actually the crossover skins that Blizzard has done with their own properties. Um, the Barbarian uh, Zarya comes to mind, which is, of course, a crossover with Diablo. Uh, the Abomination Roadhog one comes to mind, which, again, it's another Diablo one. Um, but there's also the Magni skin for for, for Torbjorn um, that, of course, comes from Warcraft. Um and then there's a handful of uh, StarCraft skins as well. Orisa has one. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it's a StarCraft uh, inspired by that one race, the the Starry race that I name escapes me right now. Anyways, point is, I think that's the easiest thing for Blizzard to do, is pull from their own properties. Obviously, we saw this with Heroes of the Storm. We saw them designing skins specifically for Heroes of the Storm that actually never made it to the games that those characters were from. Um and in some cases, actually did. I, if I'm not mistaken, there's a, there's a police officer skin for D.Va that was actually a Heroes of the Storm skin for D.Va before it ever made it to Overwatch. So I would really like to see more of this. Um, you know, it's an easy thing in my mind for Blizzard to do, and it also easily allows them to retain the heroes in the form that they are, but have an inspired look from these other uh, properties. I'm a huge fan of the Reinhardt skin. Uh, I forget what it's called. Reinhardt. I'm looking for the name. I can't see it right now. Anyways, uh, the Reinhardt one in particular really, really uh, gives me the shivers because it looks so cool. So anyways, moving on from there. Of course, if you want to read a little bit more about uh, the Season 7, which is you know coming soon by the time you're listening to this, it's happening in like less than five days. Um, so less than a week away. But if you want to hear more, uh, head on over to the actual Overwatch website and go to their news section, and you can find a whole post that they made about this. Um, they've got some good screenshots in there where you can see a little bit more. And of course, they also actually talk about some other things that the article I just read didn't mention. Um, so definitely go check that out. Now, as our final news story of the week, we're going to head on over to Dexerto.com with an article published by Brad Norton on October 4th. Now, one thing I want to also shout out here is, of course, Michael Gwilliam, whose articles I do frequently read uh, from Dexerto on One Man Watchpoint, of course, and who I met this weekend at Grand Finals, um, but of course didn't have an article by him to uh, shout him out on, so figured it fit in nicely here. Now, Let's read. This article reads, Overwatch 2 devs reveal staggering playtime of game's most dedicated player. On the eve of Overwatch 2's spooky Season 7 update, developers at Blizzard have shared new insights on a few wild accomplishments in-game. One in particular is drawing the most attention as the game time of the single most dedicated player puts everyone else to shame. 
Well, Season 7 reworks, modes, and of course new skins all dominate headlines in the Overwatch 2 community this week, another talking point is now stealing the spotlight for the next major update. Blizzard revealed some jaw-dropping new insights on October 4th, showcasing some unique tidbits alongside a few shocking accomplishments. For one, we now know that Ana stands tall as the single most played hero in the game at this point in time, but that's not all. Just shy of 27 million players have been eliminated by D.Va's falling mech, more than 187 million bobs have done something, and heroes have been booped a ridiculous number of times. But arguably, the most staggering bit of intel has revealed the dedication of the game's most avid player. One die-hard Overwatch 2 player managed to reach a battle pass tier of 1,058, putting it into perspective to claim every single reward on offer in a given season players only need to reach tier 80. There are a handful of bonus rewards beyond that initial slate, as players can grind for prestige titles up to tier 200. But after that, there's simply nothing else to look forward to, though that seemingly didn't stop one player's ambitious journey through the ranks. Given the average tier takes around an hour of in-game time, that means the average daily session for this player may have been around 17 and a half hours. While challenge rewards may have helped along the way, the staggering feat has nonetheless left the Overwatch community in awe of the grind. Quote, I refuse to believe that the Battle Pass won, a player said in response. Quote, who in God's name got their Battle Pass level that high? Quote, Blizzard, please email that person some grass, another joked. Currently, there's no telling just who this player is, nor why they decided to grind like no one ever has before. Perhaps they'll come forward one day to share their story, but for now, this mysterious player has etched their place in the history books. We'll just have to wait and see if anyone has the dedication and free time to challenge for the throne. So anyways, this is more of just, you know, a light-hearted story I wanted to cover here. Um, Because it is crazy, simply crazy, to think that uh, any one person has played that much. Um, there were a couple other stats here, so I'll just kind of highlight those. Uh, 573,189 hours were spent playing Prop Hunt, which, as you know, if you listen to this show, uh, is probably my favorite limited time mode. I quite enjoyed Prop Hunt, um, and I very much enjoy Prop Hunt in many other games. Um, they also have 146,621 days of Farah time spent in the air, so obviously uh, Farah flying high. And then, yeah, in reference to the Lucio boops there, um, uh, let's see, what, what number is this? That'd be million. That'd be billion. So 32, almost 33 trillion boops uh, by Lucio, Brig, and Winston. So, of course, we do have a bit of a combination there. I'd be curious how many boops are just Lucio, but in any case, uh, very interesting stuff there. So that is that. And of course, with that article wrapping things up, uh, that's actually going to bring us to the end of the show. So let's head on over. We'll wrap things up. And of course, I'll share with you my special message out to everyone who followed the Overwatch League. This is it. Push forward. This is it. So let's push forward. So as I teased at the beginning of the show there, um, I wrote a little something out here. And I did actually write it out to, you know, someone who put out a, hey, I'm collecting stories about the Overwatch League and and sort of what it means to you. Uh, Contact me if you have something to share. So that's a a part of why I wrote this out. But uh, it also was, you know, kind of cathartic in a lot of ways to write this out after coming off of such a high that was the Overwatch League Grand Finals. So... I think I'm going to wrap up the show first 
and then I will leave you with my parting thoughts as sort of uh, sort of the end cap to this episode, uh, and in a lot of ways, saying goodbye to the Overwatch League. So, first of all, you probably just heard my cat, so I'm going to go let her out of the recording room so that you don't hear her doing that the whole time. Give me one sec. All right, I'm back. So, first of all, as I was saying before, thank you so much for listening to episode 128 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for returning. Thank you so much for coming along this journey with me as I have uh, grown into the podcast host that, uh, you know, I am. Obviously, I am not perfect, and I do think there are many people that do it better. But if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for joining me. And if you are a new listener, thank you so much for coming along and experiencing uh, this crazy thing that we know as Overwatch. If I met you this past weekend at the Overwatch League Grand Finals, hello, good to meet you. Thanks for thanks for stopping by, friend. Um, my biggest regret is that I didn't take more pictures with people. I took lots of pictures and I took a handful of pictures with, you know, casters with talent and things like that. Uh, but I actually did not just get pictures with friends for the most part. I have a couple, um, and by all means, the Toronto Defiant uh, community um, did a great job of capturing some of those moments. Go check out my Twitter if you want to see some of the shots I'm in there. But I wish I had taken more pictures with uh, the people that I really got to know and spent a lot of time with. Now, in any case, this is all my long-winded way of saying thank you so much for listening if you are a new listener. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, if you enjoyed what you heard here today on One Man Watchpoint, I encourage you to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. That's Ready, Set, P-W-N, also available on podcast services everywhere. Now, now I'm going to close out today's episode with my uh, goodbye message that I referenced a couple of times here. And uh, I'll leave it at that. So without further ado, let's get in there. Back in 2020, I started a podcast called One Man Watchpoint, dedicated to covering all things Overwatch. I had been playing the game since launch and started following the league shortly after the start of stage two of year two of the Overwatch League. In doing so, I began to follow others in the community and seeking out other media around Overwatch. I was eventually invited to join the podcast Ready, Set, Pwn, a podcast covering the Vancouver Titans and, eventually expanding into covering, the Toronto Defiant. For me, the podcast has always been remote. I live one province away from my co-hosts, whom I've never met in person, and in a province that is not home to either Canadian Overwatch League team. I've always been a lurker online, so I'm not big on uh, any team discords or anything like that. With Grand Finals being in Canada, and possibly being the final Grand Finals ever, I knew I had to make the trip. I connected with a couple of people I knew from the Toronto Defiant community, and after meeting up with them at Grand Finals, I was welcomed into the most friendly and joyous community I could ever imagine. Everyone was there to celebrate Overwatch League, but what surprised me the most was that it seemed like, without knowing it, everyone was there to make new friends. At any given moment, you could turn to the person behind you in line, or sitting next to you in the stands, and strike up a conversation that would soon turn into a friendship. It was truly an eye-opening experience that showed me just how deeply we all love this product. Each night, I went out with a handful of newfound friends. We ate together, we laughed together, and when all was said and done, we cried together. The feeling of being in that stadium with one another, when they played the goodbye video, and when Zoe gave her farewell speech, was palpable. We all felt such an immense joy and yet sadness at the same time for the end of an era. For me, I cling to the fact that I will probably never have an experience quite like this again. To follow something, to love something, and to experience something so stellar, and to get to see it through to the end, 
It was something special that I'll cherish forever. I've made new friends and found new family. And for that, I'm forever grateful to have been a tiny part of this league. Thanks so much for listening.